Well, well, we're back again with another great library of sound. Hello, friends. I am your humble host. We bring you these tapes from our literal library of sound here. Back in 1975, I was recording a lot of Gene Shepard radio shows. You know, Gene Shepard, the guy who's most famous probably for doing that movie, A Christmas Story. Well, that was based on one of Gene Shepard's stories he told on the radio. It was also based on Gene Shepard's story that he wrote in his book. And Gene Shepard had so many stories about all sorts of things. He commented on life on his radio show. He told stories. He he just did just about anything. Uh, He did a lot of silly shows, but he did a lot of good shows where he told neat stories. And here's one when Gene Shepard tells the story about when he was going to buy a brand new car. Have you ever bought a brand new car? Have you ever been in the mood to get a new car? Well, I was recently in the mood to to get myself a new car when I went to the dealers. Every one of them, you know, they didn't have what I liked. They didn't have the color I liked. And one of them even told me it's best just to wait. (laughs) Now, that's unusual. But anyway, so uh, I kind of lost the uh, car buying fever for myself recently. But that doesn't mean it's going to come back. It will come back, I'm sure, maybe six months or a year from now. I don't know. Eh, I guess it depends on how sick I get of the car I'm, I'm driving now. The thing is, I, I, I still like my car. I really do. I like it. I like to look at it, you know, and I say to myself, wow, that's a neat car. Well, anyway, so I guess I ain't quite ready to get rid of it. But anyway, here's Gene Shepard from August 9th of 1975 when I recorded this off of a radio station. I think you're going to like it as Gene Shepard talks about many things, including buying a new car. Let's listen now to Gene Shepard on Sounds Like Radio. charge. 
I'm ready to do it here. Just a minute here. One, two, three. Hello, test. Let's get everything going here. There, there. We got a little game. Hello, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You know, uh, uh, before I uh, go any further, I have to report that there is a development in the Jersey slob art world which should not go unrecognized. Uh, you recall a few uh, months ago that the Jersey slob art world, which is the roadside art division, we uh, have to uh, put them into subdivisions. You know, there's a roadside art division, like when you drive along Route 22 and they have this place where they sell concrete Mexicans, right? And uh, they, <laughs> they sell uh, erotic uh, bird baths and stuff like that to put in the front of your house. Well, uh, there's been a great change. This, uh, uh, so, you know, the old, the old philosophical discussion as to whether art follows life or life follows art is very hard to, to uh, pinpoint. But in one particular New Jersey art slob center, I have the... Uh, I have to think about this for a minute because, you see, uh, we're recording this for, uh, for eternity. We, we figured that 2,000 years from now when they dig this up, they're going to want to know what this was about. <laughs> you know, has it occurred to you that, that a lot of mysterious things are going to be dug up by archaeologists 5,000 years from now, and they will have no damned idea as to what the heck they were about? No conceivable way. Uh, for example, uh, do you think that the, that the seven dwarfs are going to be known, say, 5,000 years from now, what the seven dwarfs were? You know, the seven dwarfs, Snow White, Grumpy, and all that stuff. Well, uh, it, it'll be possible for them 5,000 years from now to dig up a polyethylene uh, life-size seven dwarf. And uh, that will cause all kinds of uh, philosophical discussion in the archaeological department as to what exactly it was. <laughs> why it had that funny look on its face. However, uh, uh, the, the newest development is even more intriguing. Do you know that you can buy, uh, f through, uh, through the right channels in the Jersey art slob world, do you know that you can buy small concrete, I guess they're made out of concrete, I, I, I don't want to be too quick to judge them on that way, because they look heavy anyway. You can buy small concrete uh, Mustang twos to put in your front yard. Uh, don't look at me. I mean, I, I, I don't create this stuff. I'm, I'm only reporting the, uh, uh, the trend life is taking. I guess, the, I guess the, uh, uh, the average walking around human being suspects that his life is changing drastically. And he wants to cling to it and make it into concrete before it goes entirely. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I was in a place the other day where, you know, where they, uh, they bronze uh, shoes. You know, babies, it says you can have your shoes bronzed. And uh, I don't know anybody who's ever gotten bronze shoes. I'd like to know from somebody out there. Is there anybody out there here who once went in and had a pair of shoes bronzed? Well, I, I was in this place, and <laughs> that answer says, bronze your baby shoes, a priceless memento. And uh, it had a couple of priceless mementos shown there, you know, so that you know what a priceless memento looks like. By the way, a priceless memento in this case cost ten ninety five. So, uh... Uh, priceless is a word we just use, you know, casually. For example, the other day, I, I got a, a flyer in the mail, in my junk mail. It says, at last, now available, priceless family heirloom. And uh, I could buy it through my uh, carte blanche card, which was kind of nice. You can buy a priceless family heirloom already made up. <laughs> I don't know what the hell kind of family that is. <laughs> that buys their priceless family heirlooms from me. Uh, from the carte blanche company by mail. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, I got this, uh, I got this card saying it says I can get this priceless family heirloom. And it turns out what it is is a grandfather clock. 
And it's a, it's, yeah, it's one half size grandfather clock with a transistor stereo built into the base. And I thought, gee, that's a great priceless heirloom to pass down a thousand years from now, you know, as a tape deck in it and all. It kind of adds a little panache to life. I mean, after all, you've got to have a sense of humor about it. They always say that, although I don't know anybody who does. Uh, on the other hand, I saw this, uh, this shoe bronzing place there, and I'm standing around there waiting to do it. Silly Aaron, you know. How much of your life is taken up with idiotic crud, silly errands? Like, all of a sudden, you'll get a, a thing in your head. For some reason or other, you've got to get a set of plaid shoelaces. I'm just using that as a, now maybe you haven't gone for the plaid shoelaces, but you've gone for something in the same category. So you wind up uh, going to about seven places and and, uh, and looking for some crummy thing that you'll never use again, you know? And uh, I guess it's the quest syndrome. Everybody wants to have something to do, a quest, a search. Do you know that almost all major literature is based on the search concept? A quest. Well, think, think back, you know, Captain Ahab, for example. If he had just announced early in the first chapter, call me Ishmael, I want to tell you about this fishing trip I took with Ahab, that would have blown the whole thing, and it wouldn't have lasted two weeks, that book. But the fact that he went on a quest is important. And since most of us don't have any quests in our lives, I mean a true quest, we do a lot of grubbing, but I'm talking about a quest where you're driven to find the Holy Grail. I mean, I don't know where you could get a decent grail these days of any kind, much less holy. But uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, the quest is lacking in a lot of people's lives today. So we invent quests like, uh, hey, wouldn't it be great if, uh, if I could get a ballpoint pen that had a transistor radio and a compass built into it at the same time? And so you go out and you look and look and look. And your house gets slowly filled up with, with junk until eventually junk slowly takes over your life. And have you ever had these moments of introspection? You're in a cleaning joint where they clean your, your clothes and you're standing in line there. That's, there is nothing more useless than going to a cleaner's. Your clothes are no better than they were when you first put them on. Cleaning anything, like uh, throwing out the garbage is an endless, thankless task. <laughs> and so you, you stand in line there, and I, I, one day I was standing in line, see, and I, and I thought to myself, my guy says, uh, standing in line at the cleaners, I just wonder if you took the average man's life, just slowly sneak it in behind me. Yeah, the way they do when they're doing a bad fade at Seton Hall, just sneak it in there, that's it. Right. I'm standing in line, see, and I'm thinking, what if you took the average guy's life and you had, the, had it made into one of these pie graphs, you know, the kind of graphs they make on uh, the financial page? The one that says taxes, 87%, uh, income, 3%, uh, outgo, 74% for postage, uh, for losing money down the sewer, 3%. Uh, <laughs> and, and you know those graphs. Well, what if your life was made out into a graph? You know, 24 hours in the day, right? That's the whole pie, right? And it's divided into 24 little slices. How much percentage of your life would be, say, sleeping? Okay, there's a third of it right out, right? A clunk, you know, nothing happens when you're asleep. You're just laying there. All right, one third of your life shot right there. Oh, God. <laughs> you realize a guy that lives to be 60 sleeps 20 years? What the heck is this? So, all right, you know, three, right out of the thing there. One-third of your life, okay. 
Now, how much of a percentage is uh, spent in uh, totally boring work? Boring. I mean, you're bored. You're messing around, you know, ordering uh, paper clips and rubber bands and standing around down at the stationery department trying to get some uh, yellow-lined 8.5 by 11 ruled paper. You know, that's all exciting stuff. How much time of your life is spent in senseless, rotten, ridiculous grubbing? Let's say another third, huh? I mean, let's be conservative, right? All right, there's two-thirds of your life shot, just like that. Now, you got one-third left. Out of that third, how much you spend stuff on your face? Just eating. Well, figure it out. All right, you eat what? You, you eat at least once a day, right? Unless you're a camel, at which point you eat 84 times a day. All right, you, you eat once a day. So we'll take uh, two hours out, right? So now you're left with the... Uh, oh, God, what a depressing thing. Bring it up there. I don't want to hear any more about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, blow it there. Yeah, all right, come on, get out, will you, man? Give him an inch. You know, well, on the subject, if I may, uh, about the... I, I just, have you ever had the feeling, uh, just a fugitive feeling, uh, this is just a, a rhetorical question, you don't have to jump up and put your Fritos down and answer it, uh, just a, a rhetorical question, have you ever had the feeling that uh, you're the only one who, who has the secret uh, fugitive thoughts that you have? I mean, you know, I think there's two kinds of th thinking, I mean, there's the one that you relate to other people, and there's the other one the other kind of thinking, which is deep inside you. You know, you're just going along and, and there's millions of little ideas that uh, constantly go through your head as you walk along 6th Avenue, any place. And you know, just any time of your day in life, you, your mind does not stop. You know, you can stop your foot from doing something. And you can stop, uh, you know, your nose from running. But uh, your head keeps going at all times, even when you're asleep. Oh, yeah, the, 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 your mind just keeps going on and on, and it's rummaging in the ancient closets of uh, regret and memory and fear, and it's just going on and on. Your mind is like some unsleeping, uh, uh, furry, uh, yellow-eyed thing that skulks along the riverbank. It constantly does this, you know, just does it, and it seems to operate without any control. I mean... You know, have you ever had the feeling that you really can't control a large part of your mind? You're walking along, all of a sudden, you start to, you, for no reason, you, th you think of jelly donut. Uh, you say, what the hell am I thinking? And then then, then the, you look, <laughs> you know, this, this is just a, a casual thought, uh, and, and you don't say it any, you don't say to the guy, hey, I just thought of a jelly donut, Clifford. Uh, you just don't. See, you know, Clifford's going on, blah, 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 blah. He's talking about the wild date he had last night, blah, blah. But you couldn't care less, and your head is drifting out. And like today, I was, I was uh, driving along, and I got behind his truck, see. And, uh, you know, that I, I, I just wonder if you were going to take that pie again out of your life, how much time is spent behind trucks of uh, <laughs> one kind or another, you know. So, anyway, I'm behind this truck, and it was, a, it was a big flatbed truck, and they had, the truck was loaded right to the top. 
I mean, fantastic pile of stuff. And when, in fact, it looked like it was 40 feet high above my head. I was right behind it, and there was a, a tailgater behind me. You know what a tailgater, that's, that's the New Jersey sport. I mean, tailgating was invented by Jerseyites. And they don't even know they do it, you know. They'll come right up behind you. <laughs> and, you know, you're going 70 miles an hour. And here's this guy climbing right up your roof. He's looking fat, dumb, and happy, sitting there listening to Cousin Brucey with his mouth hanging slack. Well, uh, you know, this is, this is, that way lies madness and death. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm drifting along behind this truck, seeing this tailgater's behind me, and I get worried when I see in my rearview mirror that the tailgater is eating a Big Mac as he's tailgating you, you know, and at the same time, he's drinking what looks like a Dr. Pepper with the other hand. So, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, so I'm drifting along there, and I see this clown uh, doing all this stuff in the back, and he's got the Big Mac, see, and he's, and, and he's, he, I can see that the ketchup is squirting out on him, because he keeps looking down. Every time he takes a bite, he looks down. Obviously, he's got his new 4950 Robert Hall suit on, and uh, he's squirting the Big Mac all over it. And uh, all the while, his, his car, which was a, about a 1957 Monstro, I know, they had, it had fins hired in the back of the car. I could see the fins looking at the front of the car. I could see the fins sticking out of the back already. So he is slowly drifting out. I thought, now, probably that guy, if he applied full brakes instantly now, and we were roughly in the, at the outskirts of Plainfield. If he applied full brakes at this point, he could probably get stopped just before he reaches Bayonne, I figure. You know, that is if he was right on the stick, you know. And I think most people's uh, uh, reflex of that type, you know, reflex reaction time, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Uh, in fact, I think some people have such slow reaction time that there are still some guys out there who think Eisenhower's president. And uh, it'll take a while to soak in. That the, the papers have changed, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw a guy the other night uh, uh, scrawling on a rock outside of uh, Route 87. You know, he jumped out of his car and ran over, and he scrawled on a rock and Peach Nixon. I thought, oh, you know, he's still there. He's still fighting. <laughs> so anyway, you know, I'm driving along, and I, and, and I suddenly got this thought. Uh, ahead of me was this truck, and it was a flatbed. You know what is it, a flatbed truck? You do, all right. A lot of people don't. A flatbed truck is just exactly that. It's a it's a flatbed, and it has a huge tires, enormous tires that are built especially for hurling six pound rocks through your windshield. You know, and uh, you know that kind of thing. So he's roaring along up ahead of me there. And of course, he's griping because he is being tailgated by me. Well, I am tailgating him because there's a row of tailgaters behind me, and I don't know which way to go. You know, they're all up there, right, sneaking up on each other. And this truck has piled on the tailgate, on the, rather on the bed, the flatbed there. And the, they seem to be tied down with chains, great big chains. He's got piled up on the top, all the way to the top of the cab and above. And it was a long flatbed. He is stacked up with about 75 squashed cars. You know the kind that they roll over with the, some kind of a roller and they squash them about, you know, about six inches thick and they're all packed up like sandwiches in there? Well, I, it suddenly hit me. I don't know. Do you ever get this kind of thought? I know it's a terrible thing to admit. I, I didn't say anything. I was with somebody, but I didn't say anything to them. It was just a fugitive thought. I looked up at that, those cars. I wonder what Allstate would say if I got hit by a 1961 Dodge Coronet that had been junked for over five years already and didn't have a motor in it. 
I mean, that's a thought. You know, can't you see this thing come hurling back? And, you know, it makes its last gesture against societies. <laughs> its last defiant gesture. Pow! Right through the windshield, you know. Seventeen Jersey tailgaters go off into the marsh there. One guy goes through the shell station, you know, on fire. God. And I, 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 it hit me right there. Then, 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 of course, being spring. Remember, it's spring, see. The mind can only entertain negative-type thoughts for only a brief moment. See, I think that the, that, uh, the, the seasons affect us greatly as, as far as our negative idea quotient. Yeah, did you know that the highest rate of suicides of all the months are, is December? December. And uh, for that reason, uh, you know, this is the shortest day. It's the rottenest month, generally, you know. Uh, it's, uh, the days are maybe 12, 15 minutes long, uh, smog, crud, that's cold, and you're feeling crummy like you'll never reach spring again. And, uh, and the, you know, it gets very tempting when you pass Herman's Sporting Goods shop and see them 12-gauge shotguns in the window. So, anyway, uh, in the spring, you cannot entertain a negative thought for that long. You can in the middle of fall. I think all great satire is written between the month of, let's say, December 1st and roughly... March 15th. I'd, I'd like to... You know that would be a great PhD uh, thesis? It would be. What month <laughs> the bitterest stuff is written? Would really be interesting. Now, I tell you this as a writer, that I find that, that in the middle of summer, when it's beautiful out, and spring, and, and uh, you know, it's just great, uh, I find it much more difficult to get that biting uh, edge that you got to have when you're really seriously writing. And, and you know, of course, that, that almost every serious writer who has moved to the tropics or a, a semi-tropical area has ceased to be a good writer practically overnight. So, you know, I'm driving along behind his truck. I think about this... Dodge Coronet landed on top of the car. Then instantly my mind switched off of that and it looks at the cars again and I noticed that, you know, bumpers. It's fascinating. Do you know that when you see these cars squashed, they still have the bumper stickers on them? One said, <laughs> one, yeah, one said LBJ all the way. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really like looking at, the, at, at a true... Uh, uh, well, a, a true archaeological dig. It's like, a, you know, it's like hacking right down through the middle of the kitchen middens of the Neanderthal man. You know what a kitchen midden is, don't you? Midden. Kitchen middens. You know what they are, right? That's those uh, uh, fireproof gloves that you use to take pots off the stove, right? So, uh, kitchen middens. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, here, here was this whole bunch of bumpers facing me. Bumpers. They were all bumpers squashed right down flat. And I start to read the bumper stickers. And uh, right there was LBJ all the way on the bottom. And uh, they had great bumper stickers like uh, somebody had written on one of them in uh, spray phosphorescent paint, glow paint. It said, Walt. Just Walt. I wonder if Walt's listening tonight. Walt? Walt? <laughs> Your Ford Galaxy, Walt, is now on its way to Japan. It's in the bottom of a ship, and it will be made into 105-millimeter shells, Walt. And maybe one of those shells has got the name Walt written right on it. <laughs> yeah, it says Walt. See, and it was written in red, see, Walt. 
And I thought, gee, poor Walt. And I, I'm driving along. I thought, I wonder where the hell Walt is. God, I haven't seen Walt. Well, you know, just where is Walt? I could just see Walt somewhere sitting in a diner on Route 3 picking his teeth. You know, he's got his, he's got his new car. You know, he's got a, a 71 Mustang with the Reynolds Wrap hood, and he's picking his teeth there, you know. And, uh, I wonder if he remembers his Ford Galaxy. Walt, Walt, your Ford Galaxy remembers you. It still has your name on the bumper. It says Walt. And uh, I was I was reading this bumper there, see, and then I then me my mind it, again it, it just keeps going like this. That my mind then sees all these cars and the the paint is still on them. Remember, you can see there's a green one, there's a red one, and there's a sort of an off beige one, you know, and there's one uh, there's a burgundy one, and they're all squashed together, every last one of them, and you can hardly even tell what kind they were in life. I mean, do you realize that Pintos mingle with Eldorados on the flat bed of existence? Yeah, equal status, both useless, except this junk. J-U-N-Q-U-E, junk. Junko. And so they're piled up there, and, I, and my mind says, oh, God, you know, gee, look at that. Oh, boy. Look at, just think of the bank payments. Just think of the people who... The, the, and and my, I, I could see that the, the, there was there was one particularly sad looking uh, car it was kind of a brown colored a dark chocolate brown which is squash flat, and it was shiny yet the little part of the brown I could see was still shiny. Some poor guy had polished that car. He went out and got himself some Rally Cream Wax, and uh, every Saturday he's out there polishing that old thing, you know, keeping it clean. He gets his, uh, he gets some vinyl cleaner for the vinyl seats inside of it. He probably had a stereo in there. And he was always griping, you know, when people poured ketchup on a back seat. And now look at it. The blasted dreams of mankind. I just saw that whole great big load of bank payments going down the road. And the day when, that first moment when a guy... When, when a person decides he's got to have that car, you know, that's one of the more romantic moments in a person's life. Did you know that, that buying a car, uh, there's an interesting uh, psychological study that was recently made on this, and that, the, that males generally, uh, between the ages of 16 and like 60, something like that, uh, they put getting a new car right up there with, uh, you know, all the other supposed big moments in life, like getting engaged, getting married, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, getting that new car. You can just see this guy circling around the shoulder. He, he's being slowly sucked in. He sees the ads on, on TV. You know those ads with that girl sitting in the front seat of the cougar there? And that, that big cat going, ah, and the announcer says, yes, even more luxurious, longer and wider than last year. A true status symbol. Let the world know what you really are. Slowly, he circles in front of the showroom. And then he goes inside and picks up the brochure. Oh, I'm just uh, killing a little time here at lunch hour. I'm going to read this, uh, this brochure and see what you got. Yeah. He takes it back to the office. The bug has bit him. And a couple of weeks later, he's in the showroom, sitting at one of those little gray desks. You know, have you ever bought a car? You know what I'm talking about, the little gray desk? And Mr. Bullard's sitting back there, you're a salesman. And he says, well, of course, uh, you know what the, uh, 
to the bare model, naturally, you'll want uh, the uh, the Dynasport uh, option kit, of course. Everybody buys that one. You'll want that. And you look down 6750, you get special chrome strips, you get wheel covers, you get the Elizabethan upholstery for the jump seat in the back, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. You get the... You get an ashtray that operates on a motor. You just press a button and it squirts the ashes out on your feet without you doing anything. Yeah, I'll take that. He says, and uh, let's see, uh, you'll, naturally you'll want the, uh, the new deluxe heater. That's the one that maintains a constant atmosphere in your automobile as you drive along with a special set of uh, duplex operating multiple dipole transistorized uh, reflexive thermostats, which constantly keep the temperature at the same temperature that you have set it as you were driving down Route 22. You'll want that. That's $109, and it'll be well worth it because it'll enhance the resale value of your car immensely. And uh, naturally, you'll want the, uh, the special five-speed transmission, uh, the one with the... Uh, the, the special speed for climbing up 90-degree uh, brick walls. That's very handy. You'll never know. You might want to try a getaway. And uh, let's see. Uh, naturally, you'll want that. And the guy's sitting there in front of the gray desk. Oh, it's an exciting moment when you're filling out the options. He says, now, nah, and uh, how about the uh, special vinyl top? Add that little class <laughs> to the uh, machine. That's only seventy-four fifty, And it's beautiful. We have a lizard skin type. We have a uh, cobra skin. And uh, naturally, we have the standard or dull vinyl top, which is only fifty-seven fifty. And you don't want that. Okay, I'll put you down for the cold. I'll throw that in. And he writes it down. And he said, "Geez, my friend, he's throwing in the cobra skin vinyl top. That's really great." Yeah. And of course, you've you've left your car in the back now, the one that gave you such great service for the last three and a half years, and stood there patiently by while you were in there drinking it up in the bowling alley and picked up all those women and everything else, did it all painlessly and without complaining, and you're leaving it there. You're trading it in for only $250. Of course, the fact that you paid $4,975 for it is of no consequence because you have got the, the bug has bit you. I mean, it's like a virus. Oh, yeah, you know. And then you finally get into the car. They drive it around the back. They do a thing called service charge. That's only seventy four ninety five Service charge, which means, uh, let's see, uh, they take the chrome strip off the back or they put it on or they uh, make sure that there's two keys for the car. And uh, they put those, uh, those footprints that are always going to be forever on your uh, trunk liner. You can't figure out how footprints got in your trunk liner. Those come when the mechanic goes in there and sits in your trunk to eat lunch. Uh, and uh, when they're preparing your car. <laughs> you, know, you think I'm kidding? <laughs> oh, no. So you finally get your car. It's a, it's a historic moment. When you stand out there on the apron, back a friendly Fred, the hungry Armenian, a fantastic used car, new car dealer, he has all kinds of things. He's got lawn mowers. He handles it all, you know. And there you are standing back there, and you get the key in your hand. Mr. Bullard just says, I like to make a little ceremony out of it. And, uh, you know, and you drive your new car out, and you, you take the key. And you know that exciting moment when you put the key in, in, the, uh, in the ignition, and you turn it on, and you, you, for the first time, you actually turn on your new car. You recall it? Yeah, yeah, of course you do. I mean, any any uh, any ordinary uh, fully glanded male would certainly remember that. <laughs> I mean, you oh, you turn it and you go cooling out, and already you see. Little do you realize, already the process has begun. 
the instant you start that car moving, the process of slow decline, the fall and decline of Rome was nothing compared to the fall and decline of what you got there. <laughs> you drive out, and the instant you get out, all that Jersey crud starts drifting down over that spotless, magnificent uh, $17 special iridescent deep pool paint. You drive out, and already it's begun. The one thing that does not seem to decline is the bank payments. They remain as high at the end as they were at the beginning. You notice that? Okay. That's another lesson man learns in life. Yes, indeed. We do a lot more paying in, in this life than we do getting. And so you drive out. Oh, yes, there's only two kinds of human beings in this life. And there always will be, no matter what the society is, no matter what economic system you develop. There's the payers and the getters. The payers and the getters. And of course, the great dream of man always has been to devise a system where there are no payers and no getters. There's only what we call humankind. <laughs> the payers and the getters. No system ever been devised that will do away with that. Because it's endemic to the nature of the beast. Payers and getters. And so you drive out to the sun. You turn on your, you turn on your stereo for the first time. Anything. Just, just, just go along with it. You turn on your stereo for the first time. And the sound fills, fills the cabin of the car. First, the hum which, by the way, you think will go away as the radio heats up. That hum will remain forever. It's the first little, little tiny fly in that ointment. It's suspended like it's suspended forever in amber. Now you drive down the end of the block and you turn left and you're going to try to get out on Route 3 now with your great big new beautiful car. And you got your nose up to the stop sign here, seeing the inner, the inner cut going into Route 3. This great big Greyhound bus goes roaring by. And as he does, he sprays used diesel fumes all over your beautiful paint job. You've just been out of the showroom for 12 minutes and already they're home on the radio. You make your turn and now you're out on that turnpike. You're out on Route 3 or Route 22 or 46 or 87 or Route 1 or 9 or 6SJ7, you name it. You're out on there, and the wind is blowing, and you're driving along, feeling great. My new car. My new car. And then you notice, you notice a funny sound in the back. Just a, a, a persistent, small, still squeak. Regularly. That, by the way, that same squeak. Walt, are you listening? You listening, Walt? That car of yours, the one that had Walt written on the front bumper there with the... With the red paint, Walt, it's still squeaking. I was behind that thing. I could hear it squeaking. It's up there. They, they, they removed the guts of it. And it's still squeaking, Walt. It's built in like your conscience. I keep looking at that truck. I drive along. And I think of all these dreams, Walt, somewhere. Then I'm reading down. There's another. Oh, there was a nice one. It says, uh, I break for animals. I saw that. Well, something obviously didn't break for him. That car was roughly the size of your average NBA basketball. I mean, without the air. 
<laughs> I break for animals. But his proud little bumper sticker still hung on here. There was another one that says, I drink milk. Another guy in that great pile was celebrating Earth Day. His car is forever consigned to the Earth. He is celebrating Earth Day someplace. And uh, Walt, are you listening, Walt? The Waltz of the world. You ever get that feeling of total mortality when you go past the junkyard? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. How about that, buddy? Listen, I'll tell you, I, I got... I. That's funny. I, I guess a lot of people don't have, uh, as from my just casual empirical observation here, I think uh, out of every hundred people, if you were to take a hundred people just at random off any street in any city in any country, I'm just curious how many out of that hundred would have even the vaguest sense of what could be called the beginning and the end of time. Now, I've just wondered about this, you know, because we all have a certain finite time. Let's say that's called mortality. Uh, and yet I have a suspicion that, uh, that large numbers of people never think anything ever changes in their life. It's never going to end. Do you agree with me on that or not? How many do you think out of a hundred uh, have uh, what could be called a sense, a time sense? You'd say 20. Well, that's pretty good. You'd say one out of five. Well, do you think the number is increasing or decreasing? It's going up. That's interesting. Well, not when, when, when you talk about the time sense, <laughs> well, you're talking about something that I, I, I'm inclined to disagree with both of you. I, I think that there's fewer than, than uh, one out of five. I would say my guess would be more on the order of one out of 20. I'm, when I talk about time sense, I mean cosmic time sense. I don't mean their end of their life. I mean, if a guy walks down the street, how often does a guy walk down the street and look around, say, in New York? or Indianapolis or Plainfield and say, gee, it just occurred to me that a hundred years from now people are going to see pictures of this and I'm looking at it live. And they're going to be looking at it with great curiosity, you know, like as if, uh, wow, you know. I just wonder how many people have that kind of sense. Uh, and and uh, he's driving his 57 Ford or he's driving a 75 Dodge or whatever it might be. How, how many people out of, out, of a, out of 100 say at any point during their driving, one day this will be a priceless collector's item? friends gene shepherd here on sounds like radio talking about getting a new car 
That was recorded by me way back on August 9th of 1975. We hope you enjoyed it. Join us again next time for another mystery edition of Sounds Like Radio's Library of Sound edition. Mystery, why? Because you never know what you're going to find on the Library of Sound. I'll pull out a tape and I'll play it for you. It could be a mystery or it could be a comedy or it could be Gene Shepard or it could be Bing Crosby or it could be just about anything I can find. Recently, I found these neat uh, shows of uh, Hopalong Cassidy I have, and I was playing some of them for you. So you never know what's going to come on uh, Sounds Like Radio's Library of Sound. Until next time, then, I am your humble host for Sounds Like Radio and the Library of Sound, saying so long for now. Goodbye, everybody.